Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes in the Mice. My name is John. That's Ian. Hello. It is episode 86 here on May 30th, uh, time of recording, uh, titled, Who Will Rise to Dominate the PT? Right, because it, it's PT Dominaria and, and the set code is Dom. Except on Magic Online, when it's where it's D-A-R. Wait, what? Yeah, you didn't know this? It's no, weird. I didn't. Oh my god, <laughs> Wizards, what are you doing? So, uh, the only reason that we know this is if you look up uh, winning deck lists on... Um, for, on Wizards website for, and then you look at MTGO winning decks for limited. Um, as an example, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, oh, as oh, we are right. having this you're very conversation, right? You were doing it for the show notes too. I was doing it for standard, specifically standard. Oh, but, right. Yeah, but if you look at the uh, le- at for example, the sealed Dominaria block PTQ. I'm actually going to go ahead and link this to you. It is sealed D-A-R block PTQ. What? Yep. Well. So I don't know what happened there again, but something weird happened. I'm not sure what, but um, that is, if for some reason it's DAR on in Magic Online. I don't know why. Internet. I, I think someone explained it, but some, but whatever. Because uh, internet. Let's just leave it at that. Either way. Because internet. Yeah. But we're going to talk about the Pro Tour, as well as a few arena updates that happened today, which are really, really cool. Uh, but Spicy. First, but first, we're going to turn our eyes to the community real quick, because there was a GP this weekend. Yeah, it was Team Sealed in, in uh, our nation's capital. Our nation, in heavy air quotes, being assuming you're living in the United States, and the capital being D.C., <laughs> where I will soon be living. But unfortunately, yeah. this came a little too soon for that, unfortunately. Um Really just of note, the winning team never played together before the event. <laughs> it's uh, It was Andrew Tengen, Peter Ingram, and Peter Sachurik, I think how you pronounce his last name. Funny part is, is apparently Peter was asking uh, who Andrew Tengen and Peter Ingram look like because he <laughs> didn't know when he went to go the first day. He's like, does, it, does anybody know what these guys look like? Like, I'm teamed up with them. Uh, they wow. teamed up. Bec- well, it was one of those like, last minute like hey my teammate dropped out my teammate dropped out too hey i need a team kind of right. thing for on twitter um one's on heart team haruya another one is on metagame gurus son in the case of yep. tenjum and uh peter's on hot sauce games yeah so three pro tour competitors that have teams that just their teammates weren't able to make it so they won the, and there you go <laughs> they beat a hell of a team too because it was Froelich, Damodarosa, and who is their third? Stark. Stark. Right. Yeah. That That's a hell of a team to beat. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard team to defeat. But they did it. And yeah, so they, they ended up winning the GP going into the Pro Tour. Um, fun, fun thing is, is like apparently Team Sealed has really kind of changed even since a month ago with like the first team limited event. Right. Um, just decks. People were like, we're always like on oh, uh there's a good coverage moment the top eight moments like they've really delved into it way but way more than we're going to do here just because they've done it already no need to rehash it plus takes time yeah but mainly the color pairs of what people were liking to play have kind of like changed slightly hmm. um Interesting. blue red became really prevalent as opposed to like white blue white black which was more of the popular kind of color combinations um people are kind of realizing that Putting a lot of pants on a cold water snapper is a good thing in Team Sealed with a lot of removal around. Who would have thought? Who'd have thunk? 4-5 Hexproof is good. 
It can be. If you put pants it on. It can be. Because if you put on Sarah's wings on it, or like they're saying, even like on Sarah's or Arcane Flight, plus one, plus one flying, hexproof, five, six. It, it is hard, a real hard card to kill. Really hard to beat that card. That it'll basically true. it'll basically beat anything your opponent can block with, and they're forcing the chump mode flying oh, yeah. wise. Yep. That said, so I'm looking first f- up. I'm looking forward oh. to. Well, we'll talk more about team stuff later. But yes. yeah, yeah. Arena. So for Arena had a big updates, and I've read the announcements, but I didn't watch the video. So, uh, Ian, what are what's the rundown of the Arena updates? So I watched the video. And there were, like, way too many things for me to even, like, take note of that they kind of – fortunately enough, like, 15 minutes before we started writing the show notes, they actually posted the update on the forums for State of the Beta. I was like, thank goodness. I was like, I, uh, couldn't, I couldn't find it. And I was like, Ugh, and they posted it. So Chris Clay posted it. Um, the video has more, so we'll post a link to the video as well. But I kind of wanted to put this first because I'm calling out John on this one. I don't know what you're talking about. Because they're, they're making timer tweaks. So if you play Magic Arena, you know that if you have a very complex board state you and your opponent just swings out, you might want to take some time blocking, but you're kind of priced into doing it quick as your timer does. Otherwise, you start losing your, your pauses. And you can use your pause for your little timeout thing. But even then, you only have a certain amount of time in your timeout to evaluate your blocks, and it's really kind of dumb. So what they're doing is they're kind of changing how this goes where – during your declare blocks blocker step before timeout triggers, they're extending the amount of time you get. And if there is a card, or every time a, a player takes an action, they get a tiny time boost. So the card name I'm calling John is because New Perspectives is literally called out as a card because it's you know it's the five and a blue when enchantment when it enters the battlefield draw three cards as long as you have seven or more cards in hand you may pay zero rather than pay cycling costs. This is like the cycling deck. So you can just like cycle and then pay for Drake Haven and do all kinds of dumb, crazy stuff with it. I plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah, you whatever. Anyway, <laughs> psych, actions like cycling a card now give you a time boost. So basically, whatever time you use to cycle the card, you basically net zero on your timer. So where you you would have been, if you're trying to like cycle, pay, cycle, pay, cycle, pay, cycle, pay, cycle, pay, you're literally just running your clock down. Whereas this, you're like your cycle, pay, okay, each one of those gives you a time bonus. So you can actually do these complex board state things without actually timing out, which to be fair is very nice for that kind of thing for certain players. So, Oh yeah, like Magic is not a game that's very conducive to kind of the rope if you're familiar with Hearthstone where every turn is going to – where your turn only can take a so, so much amount of time and until they literally – in Hearthstone, they literally roll a rope out and then it starts – or a fuse and it starts going down until it hits the other side of the screen and then your turn automatically passes. Uh, many other digital card games use the same sort of model where – which is now is why it's called kind of roping um, of you run out your clock, your non-visible clock. And Magic Online yeah. – or Mag- Magic Online does chess clocks, but Arena doesn't and instead has a different system, which works very well. And I'm really glad that they're changing this so that it allows you to do things like New Perspectives Combo or do the really complex board states that I always see posted on the Magic subreddit or the Arena subreddit where it's like, here are my 200 creatures and my opponent's 200 creatures and I timed out. Yeah, it's like I swing like your opponent can do attack all swing with two hundred creatures, and it's like, well, I'm just going to time out blocking, so I just lose here. Yeah, which which is really kind of feels bad. Where you're like, okay, whoever swings first wins, but 
that's cool. I'm happy they're doing it. And again, we, we, we keep mentioning every time they make these updates, it's great that they keep um, constantly looking at this. So new things coming besides just timer sets, but not new sets. We're getting old sets, but new basically Kaladesh, Aether Revolt. And because it's still standard legal and you may never see these cards, the 2017 welcome packs. Yeah. Yeah. So this is just done to basically bringing Arena up to the full standard list. Uh, I have seen people tweeting basically like, okay, Arena is going to start moving to the full standard ban list. I couldn't see anything in the release about that. I could have just missed it. If I did, call me out for it. It's fine. I only I'm know sure they are. I only know that they went to that because I know I mentioned the big update. I retweeted or quote tweeted Lee about it earlier. Oh, speaking of, this is kind of community news. Lee is no longer the magic online kind of dude he's now taking up the head like a head position with magic arena and uh ally medwin is taking lee's place so two people i know they're awesome people i'm really happy they're like lee's kind of moving laterally into magic arena while ali's moving up into the full like face of magic online kind of thing which is great that said uh Getting these cards, getting the ban list, people are like, oh yeah, of course, this ban, like, we're getting all full standard as I start playing with mono red, and we're going to lose the mono red cards, and Lee being the mono red player, and I'm just like, oh, whatever, it's just, come on, guys, yeah. Ramen Up Ruins. <laughs> yeah, Ramen Up Ruins and um, Frostodon, but anyway. Well, actually, we'll get to that, but, so they're doing a new singleton format too, which is kind of awkward in that they don't have Brawl yet, so it's the Unbrawl, I guess. I don't know. So, well, I mean, to be fair, I don't know how the, how Arena is going to implement having a card you can you you can have access to at any point in the game. Well, I mean, that's the that's going to be the tricky. Execution. No, 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 I get that, and I if you play Arena, and I know you do, like, and you've played with Embalm cards, like they do have that little yeah. zone where like you can cast the Embalm. It's like down next to your lands and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, that yeah. would be an okay place to put it, but yeah, I agree. It's kind of weird and awkward. Or maybe they can put where the planeswalkers are located, but then it gets weird. But you know what? Whatever. We'll see how it goes. I know people are crying for Brawl to be on there, but we'll see how it gets coded in there. Um, best of three events. Again, people think I'm crying for. They're coming, finally, drafting instructed with sideboarding. Huzzah. Mm-hmm. See, now you need 75 cards. That, that sideboarding thing can finally actually be used. It's been in the game since the beginning. But kicker is it's going to be for more of the... It is not mentioned in the notes but on the video they did mention that it is going to be more of a competitive slanted kind of thing with a higher price to entry with i would assume a higher prize payout for that they are looking to though bring it to the more casual kind of cues as well eventually if that's more your speed yeah and also bo best of one is not leaving they're adding best of three which Correct. some people got a little mixed up that i've seen yeah it's not that best of one is gone forever it's just that we're adding best of three, which is going to be an interesting thing to see how that segments the player base, but we'll see. Yeah, and uh, so another thing they're adding, Quick Draft. They've been doing the weekend test. We mentioned it previously. It's not, Oh, by the way, I should mention, all of these are taking effect come next update. June 7th? June 7th on Thursday. Yeah. So not this Thursday, not the day you're listening to us, but the following Thursday this will go live. Uh, quick Draft events, finally available whenever you log in. However, they will be rotating I think week on like a weekly-ish basis. So sure. kind of like how they were doing with just like the two to three quick draft events on the weekends. It'll be week long. 
it'll just rotate through the draft formats at this point. Um, and these are still not eight person real life people drafts. These are you draft in a pod with computers and then you play other people who drafted decks in a similar manner. Yeah. So you're getting just a quick draft experience out of that. But the biggest announcement that they made is oh, so we mentioned Kaladesh is coming, but it's like, okay, yeah, but I've already got like months worth of, uh, you know, Ixalan and Hour Devastation and now Dominaria cards. How am I going to get, like, I'm going to need to, like, grind again for Kaladesh? Well, they noticed that you might have to grind. So here's what you're getting in your Kaladesh block starter pack, basically. Two of every common and uncommon in the block. One of every rare and mythic in the block. And that's, remember, Kaladesh and Aetherbolt. You're getting one of every card in the 2017 Welcome Decks. You're also getting one Ramanob Ruins and one Rampaging Ferocidon. Why, you might Ooh. ask? Because after this update, banned cards will not be able to be drafted. But mm. the only way to get them outside of, you know, using your uh, wild cards on is this way. They're just giving everybody those two cards because they're legal in the quick singleton format that they were bringing up. So gotcha. they're basically gifting you that so you don't have to spend your uh, wild cards that you would otherwise use for actual your actual decks. I kind of like that. It's nice. But that's not all. Because you're getting four of staple cards in the format. What cards, mind you? Aether Hub, Aether Sphere Harvester, Bomac Courier, Chandra Torch of Defiance, Disallow, Fatal Push, Fumigate, Glint Sleeve Slifener, Heart of Kieran, Pirate PNLR, Scrap Heaps Grounder, Spire of Industry, Torrential Gear Hulk, Unlicensed Disintegration, and Walking Ballista. Did Four you say of Karen? Yes. Okay. I, I was trying to remember if that was one of the mythics or not. Oh, no, no. Yeah, it's in there. Like, some spicy standard staples, and you're getting four of. This has led to people, literally one of the first comments is, I don't understand why we're getting play sets, the popular net decks. And as soon as I saw net decks, I'm like, I'm already disregarding everything you say. But they're like, this was just slap in the face. White, blue control decks got four torrential gear hulks and fumigates for free. It's like, dude, calm down. <laughs> These things are rotating in a few months. A, yes, that's true. Also, like, Wizards wants to see what a full standard looks like on this, on Arena. And other, and then the biggest complaint, if they gave us nothing, which, by the way, the fact that they're giving us anything at all is amazing. But if they gave us nothing, the reaction would be, oh, you want me to grind for Kaladesh? Because that was the biggest complaint. Like that the that the entire, you know, subreddit and forum community has where it's like, how much am I gonna have to grind once Kaladesh comes out on Arena to get a competitive deck? And turns out the answer is gonna be not that much when you're getting two of every common and uncommon, one of every rare and mythic, as well as play sets of I agree, the fifteen most impactful cards from the block. Yeah, and it's kinda great. Um walking bullets, like it's it's Amazing like, that they're walking using- ballista was the one that blew my mind. Like four of Chandra, sure, that's that makes sense. You know, four of of um, fatal push of Heart of Karen, four to four of fatal push, sure, those all make sense. Four of ballista is huge because there's so many decks that use ballista. It's great though. Like think about yeah, it, you'd have amazing. to use four of your wild cards on them that you're not having to use now. It's amazing, and I'm so happy. So this is like also very encouraging that they are keeping. A very close eye and they are tweaking and tuning the heck out of this game and i have to say it is very encouraging just the amount of tweaks they're doing speaking of tweaks again small little final thing to add on this before we go into pro tour talk 
the daily rewards. Originally, it was like out to 30 wins, and they cut it back to four. So it's like, I can just win four and then stop playing because I don't get any rewards after that. Well, they've listened. They're still front-loaded for four, but now you get additional rewards out to 15. So your first win of the day gets you 250 gold. Second win gets 100. Third gets 100. Fourth gets 100. And then starting on your fifth win through your 15th win, you alternate between what they're calling ICR, so individual card reward, which can be at uncommon and potentially go up to a higher rarity, um, like 10% of the time. So you might get a rare mythic like 10% of the time. But it goes 5 gets 1, and then it's 50, and then it's 1, then 50, then 1, then 50, then 1. And then starting at 12, you get 25, 1, 25, 1. So it's kind of nice. It's still incentivizing you to like play out your 15, so you're still going to only get like 200 extra gold for playing all the way out to 14 rounds, 14 wins, but... Better than nothing. Still better than nothing. Yeah. So, that said, I'm excited for it. Um, I don't get to play it nearly as much as I would like to, because it is fun and enjoyable, and I know I've seen some people with this announcement say that, yep, that's it. I'm stopping drafting on Magic Online, I'm stopping Standard on Magic Online, and I'm moving to Arena for this. And I'm like, yeah, but I still have Modern and Legacy that I want to play, so I'm still going to use Magic Online for that. But I'm, I'm interested to see how Standard and Draft work out, especially now they have full Standard available. Yeah. Um, standard's expensive, and if I can just grind my way free to that, sure. Yeah, it's, better it's than, gonna be it's real be, interesting to it's see. Better how, than, or, it's better than grinding treasure chests. Yeah, it's gonna be real interesting to see how Arena Standard or how Arena Standard, I guess, or just Standard on Arena. That's going to be weird. Um, and if that's useful for like testing for like the Pro Tour that's coming up uh, this weekend and, uh, and other major competitive events. But yeah, I mean, it's Magic Online still going to be the gold standard for that. But <laughs> speaking of Pro Tour Magic Online, apparently they had a downtime this morning again. Mm. The day deck lists or submit- submissions are in, which, by the way, is in 20 minutes while we're recording this. Uh, deck list yeah. submissions are due because it's of midnight uh eastern time which is midnight on the 31st of may so thursday yep so midnight of the day you might listen to this once it pops up in your feed anyway but the reason why it's due on the 31st is because starting at 9 a.m eastern on friday i think as well as saturday and i think it's like 10 a.m on sunday i don't know exactly when on sunday but it's pro tour time yeah it's a sunday at yeah i don't remember what time it was Anyways, oh. uh, we've talked about... Oh, no, 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 my bad. Coverage begins Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at 9 a.m. local time. Oh, perfect. Yes. Uh, we've talked about Pro Tours enough times, but the basic rundown, these are three-day events. Day one, everyone shows up who's qualified for the Pro Tour. They Each day, day one and day two, is the exact same setup. Play three rounds of Dominaria Draft, break for lunch, five rounds of Standard. Uh, the cut from day one to day two is you have to be four and four or better. Uh, and then after day two, they do the cut to top eight, which usually means that you have around two losses, uh, maybe better. Sometimes X and threes and X one and ones get in as well. Uh, then Sunday top is single elimination top eight. And um, that is your pro tour. In the, oh, the top eight is standard. Yeah. So, that's a, so you get yeah, to see a couple more, cut more uh, constructed rounds. So you get six rounds of draft, a bunch of rounds of standard. I yep. can't math right now. 13 Ten rounds. rounds. 13 rounds. 10 rounds. Oh, if you top count the top eight. eight. Yeah, sure. Eh. Sure. Got but there. Anyways, 
Um, so let's real quick talk about draft because I've been loving drafting this set, uh, both uh, online and in paper. Um, I'll, I, I'll, I recently... I'll, I'll defer to you on this one because unfortunately I have only maybe drafted Dominary like three or four times at this point. Yeah. Life's so, been busy. <laughs> yeah. So th- this format has been widely lauded by a lot of different pros like Ben Stark as a, a as a really really good draft format. I think I think um Ben Stark said that this format in his opinion is better than Innistrad. Um which That's bold. It is bold. Uh, bold to go he, he for the Innistrad. Yeah, he he talked about it in the most limited, most recent limited resources and it was a really interesting listen because he he talked about a few things that I, I had been feeling for a while, and so I'm glad that I'm not alone in that regard. But what was one of those? Uh, basically, that when you're draft, the the process of drafting Innistrad was was really really good, but the games don't play out like limited games because if someone drafts Spider Spawning, then you're not playing Magic, you're playing Modern because you're trying to do your thing and not interact with your opponent. Same thing with like uh, Invisible Stalker, Butcher's Cleaver. Uh, oh. Whereas in Dominaria, it's very much. The drafting is great, and then the gameplay is also great because it's very interactive, and it's very much a uh, a game of, you know, I play my thing, I remove your thing, and stuff like that. Very tempo-based? Not, I wouldn't say tempo-based, uh, because, like, one of the things I've noticed in this format is that anything is possible. Literally anything. Um, I have drafted, I talked about this in the podcast, a four-color control deck, or a four-color ramp deck that was the green-black deck splashing to fairy, and splashing is difficult. It's not easy. It's not like, you know, cons or super, super simple or Kaladesh where you just draft, you know, green decks and you play World of Virtuoso as the best green card in the format. Um, but you have things like Skittering Surveyor that any deck can have access to that can splash really easily. And if you're in green, it's way easier with things like Grow from the Ashes or even Adventurous Impulse if you need it. Uh, Lenore Envoy can also do a good job. It's the three mana, three, two in green that has one in the green, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Um, a little expensive if you're splashing, but if you're not, like, it's not ramp. It's definitely fixing. If necessary, <laughs> you oh, yeah. can play it. I gotta say, and though, then, I haven't played a whole lot, but Skittering Surveyor, holy crap. Yeah, that card has gone up and up and up and up my pick order if, I, if I'm looking to splash a card. Like, if I'm, if I'm in green or black and I'm looking to splash a card, I'm going to take Surveyor's, like, fourth pick, maybe higher. It depends on how, how the rest of the pack pans out. Like, CF, CFB does those amazing, like pack one pick one kind of things with the pros and with especially with ben stark and one of the more recent ones like i kind of be like you know i like clicking through those and being like all right let me see if i get this right and, you know you get it right and like be like okay cool i've, I've been batting like 80 percent on those which is pretty good for someone who hasn't yeah. drafted the set and if i if i whiff on it my pick is always the honorable mention so i'm like all right at least i have an idea what's good for first picking right yeah. rest of the draft who knows but i will see him pick like usually the times i whiff it's when there's a Skittering Surveyor in the pack, and I just completely miss it. And I'm like, I pick something else, and it's like, oh, no, no, Skittering Surveyor is just better than this one. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it wasn't there, wasn't it? <laughs> but also, at the same time, I have drafted the Flame of Keld three different times. Sir? And three different times, I have had winning records. Okay. Like, so, the Flame of Keld is one in the red for a saga. Uh, its first chapter is discard your hand. Its second chapter is draw two cards. And its third chapter is all your red sources of damage for the rest of the turn deal plus two damage. Right? It seems pretty spicy if you hit a, a shiv and fire or a fight with fire. Uh, that is true, but here's the thing. Uh, in one of those drafts, I had one of them. I was essentially mono red, and I got to kill my opponent with it once. Another draft, I had three of them, which is too many. Way too many. Two is probably the right number. If you if you want the if you want that effect, 
and I had Goblin Chain Whirler, and I had a time, and I had a time where I was able to go. I had a Goblin War Chief in play. I, I I got to the third chapter of the um the third chapter of that of Flame of Kel. Played a Goblin Chain Whirler, dealt three to my opponent and three to all their creatures, which was included a Sarah Angel. Attacked with three creatures, and he had to chump block one of my goblins, otherwise he would die. Wow. And then this most recent draft I did, I posted it on the LR subreddit. Uh, I posted it in the Discord. I don't know if you saw it, but I was essentially mono red wizards playing islands for two copies of Adelise as my only blue cards. Huh. And I went 3 0. Well, what do you know? Uh, Flame of Keld in one game didn't do anything. In another game, it, dealt, it would have dealt 20 damage to my opponent, uh, but he blocked. Uh, <laughs> and then, in, <laughs> yeah, like 20 power on the board. Let's call it that way. Twenty? No, 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 not even twenty power. Twenty damage. My opponent was at. Oh uh, uh, right, so, yeah, because it does. So my opponent was two. at like my opponent was at like ten. No, my opponent was at twelve, and I attacked with five creatures. He blocked the biggest one. Four two twos got through, which was sixteen damage. Jeez. Yeah, it it's not for everyone, and it and I also was playing like three. I was playing uh three copies of Gitu Lava Runner, the red one two wizard that if you have two instant sorceries, it get it becomes a two two with haste. Uh, I was playing two copies of Shiv and Fire, two copies of Run Amok, one copy of Wizard's Lightning, uh, two copies of Fervent Strike, which is the plus one plus oh first strike and haste trick. Um, like. The deck was real insane, and I was just running people over with with the deck. It it is like I said, anything is possible in this format. Like the best two decks, I think uh, consensus are black green sapperlings or blue red wizards. Because blue red wizards, if you if you get the right deck, you can just go off. Like last uh, two weeks ago or last week, I think it was, uh, I drafted a blue red wizards deck where I like Pekwa picked one of the Academy Journey Mage. End of the draft, I had three Academy Journey Mages, one Fire Fist Adept. I had a Nabon. I had the Panarmonicon for Wizards in my deck, and I had like two G2 Lava Man, two G2 Journeymancers, and just, th- that deck can do some silly things. How does it feel to have everything? Listen, it feels it feels pretty, you know, just like the song, you know, it feels good to be a gangsta sometimes. Um, but this format is has a lot going on in it. It's not an easy, it's not a simple format. Um, there's a you have to know how the different decks play out. And if you have experience drafting a certain style of deck, like I like I said, I've drafted Flame of Kel three times, and I feel like it is a build around card. It's not an every deck card, and there are definitely red decks that I would play that I would not play it in. Uh, but the power level of that card, when you can play with it and you can do the real busted things, like attack for twenty on your opponent, and and by the way, and that same turn, I had mana up to Shiv and fire his Cloud Raider Sphinx for four damage. You're ridiculous. I know. Listen, I like mountains. Okay, you you can't stop me. I look, man. I I understand. I got you. <laughs> but no, yeah. So like, like I mentioned to you, blue red has definitely been like even the team like team sealed, obviously, because you can get an abundance of extra wizards that you might not be able to in like regular sealed. Um, but draft, obviously, you can just go ham on that archetype. But yeah, like the the format is. I think the format hedges slow. Um, where however. The blue red wizards deck can run people over. It can hit. It can hit hard enough to do that kind of thing. Yeah, the the blue red, blue red tribal synergies are really weird because the, cre- the blue red creatures are the smallest, so they have to make up in other ways. And in the wizards deck, they make up for it with ETB damage as well as bounce spells. Right. 
Yeah. But a big before uh, we need to move on to standard because standard is going to be real interesting. Oh no, yeah, but still, but yeah, it's uh, one, I'm, the, I'm one excited of the secret- to see. I'm excited to watch the draft viewers of the pros they 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 bird for this. Uh, yeah, but one of the synergies that surprised me the most uh, was Black Red playing Gitu Journeymancer or Gitu Journey Mage, which is the two and a red three two wizard that when it comes to play, if you control another wizard, each opponent takes two. With Caligo Skin Witch. Which is a one in a black one three wizard with kicker for four with for kicker for three in a black where when it enters the battlefield each opponent discards two cards. So what you do is you play a red black like removal aggro deck. You play skin witch on two, then you play uh, journey mage on three, dealing two to your opponent. And then if you have any other skin witches in the late game, you can just play them to make them you know to essentially mind twist them. Huh. Also works great in blue black if you can have the academy journey mage. And I saw someone pull off the Naban. Plus Caligo Skin Witch, where instead of discarding two, they just discard four cards. Dang. So, like, that was a hidden synergy that I did not expect in this format that has turned out to be very, very good. That sounds insane. It does. So, Dominaria's draft is sweet. It, I can totally see, like, buying a box now and then holding on to it for, like, a while and be like, hey, guys, let's draft Dominaria. I mean, that definitely sounds like a thing. Like, I need to pick up a box of cons still. Because it's cons. That said, yeah. red black, you say, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of standard. Standard? Wow. Man. Let's put it this way. So when we mentioned it like a week or two ago with uh, was it GP Birmingham, mm-hmm. where it was the called shot deck of the weekend, like red black vehicles play it. And everyone's like, uh, there's like two, three vehicles in the deck. Why are we calling it vehicles? The latest iterants of this that I'm looking up online have either one Aethersphere Harvester or three Heart of Kirin. Yeah. That's it. Or one has like like one Harvester and three Heart of Kirin. It's like, come on. It, I remember when our just, vehicles decks had four Smuggler's Copter, three Sky Sovereigns, and four Fleet Wheel Cruisers. Yeah, that was like, <laughs> that was weird Mardu aggro with like... Uh, I remember when it was red white with the red white, yeah, yeah Depalos and, and veteran motorists, man, that was old, old veteran motorist. Oh wow, how things have changed and yet not. But no, these, these current red black aggro decks are almost doing a disservice to like black. It's it's more of like a small black on the end yeah. of it because main deck they're running unlicensed disintegration. That's their only black if- card, and that's a gold card. And a few people, and a few decks that I've seen, I'm looking through the five O lists from uh, this past Monday, uh, May 28th. Uh, we're playing like one copy of Cut to Ribbons as an additional way to end the game. Uh, yeah, some have Cut to Ribbons in there, um, but Disintegration is the is the reason why you're playing Red Black because and- Disintegration is a very powerful effect if you can if you can have the artifact if you have the artifact turn on. Yeah, you're getting uh, a lot of your black is in your sideboard dresses to you know cut down on the control decks. Uh huh. Doomfall as like a pseudo duress slash punishing so the control good. deck. Like literally, Doomfall's there to like punish control. Yeah, Exile, it does it. Yeah, Exile their one beater they get. You know, or you do it on turn three and get out of their hand. You know, to fairy or something like yeah. that. Yeah, Hour of Glory. Like, yeah, Hour of Glory seeing play now. Like out of like a pseudo cyborg card in some of these decks and Angrath. Angrath seeing standard play now in cyborgs. That's awesome. Angrath is, is, a, one Angrath is a very powerful card, yeah. Um, especially against some of the smaller ones that present a threat that can't be killed by Goblin Chain Whirler. Oh, yeah. Like, the Ugh. fact that X1s are now, like, really bad to play 
Hey guys, I hear. Hey guys, we we banned rampaging ferocidon because it punishes token strategies. By the way, we just printed a card that literally deals one damage to everything when it enters the battlefield. To be fair, chain whirler punishes token strategies in a very different way from than ferocidon. Oh, for sure, ferocidon like actively punishes you for playing your deck, while chain whirler means you can't. You can play. You can play around much. chain whirler. Yeah, it's much harder to play around Frostadon. Oh yeah, it's but it's like it still punishes you for trying to go wide. It just yeah. it punishes you in a different angle. Correct. But then, like the other kind of big bads of standard are still here. Like there's still blue white control. Uh, Mono black has been on the rise with and without Cabal Stronghold, uh, kind of being a big mana sink. Oh, um, that uh, that mono black control deck we saw from that same yeah. GP. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean constrictors um, constrictor still around. Yeah, it is still around. Um. And then there's been a few other iterations. Uh, again, like looking through the, the the deck lists from Monday, we have a lot of really uh, spicy decks that I've seen. Like there's Jeskai and Esper Control. Um, usually the the Esper Control decks are playing stuff are playing black for things like uh, Hostage Taker, Scarab God, and the like. Jeskai is playing red for the energy payoffs like Harness Lightning um and other and like chandra is another huge one uh there was there was a jeskai oath of teferi list that i saw that was playing red i think for almost exclusively chandra alongside karn and teferi uh there was also several oh, i found it. Gift- i found i found that one yeah yeah there's several <laughs> god pharaoh's gift variants because god pharaoh's gift again got huge at round pro tour hour devastation being blue white then uh, the recent the innovation came for it to be blue red, and then some people were pl- trying out Jeskai and playing it playing the red with it for things like uh, Combat Celebrant, which is the kind of the big combo. Locally, I've seen a few red green Godfro's Gift decks running around playing green for the Explorer creatures, which work very well with Godfro's Gift. Oh, and like uh, Branch Walker and Jade Light Ranger, exactly. And then playing more mid range game. Also, you get to have the sideboard card of Crushing Canopy, which is very good against blue-white control. Uh, Tuna green, destroy target creature with flying, or destroy target enchantment. Ah. But among the 5-0 lists, there is a Soul Tie, a blue-green, and a blue-black variant of God Pharaoh's Gift using the same sort of means and methods that I mentioned in the red-green deck, except eschewing things like Combat Celebrate for the combo or Siege Gang Commander and those other various ones. Uh, so the deck at the vi- I can huh? also see the green decks playing. They're playing that thrashing Brontodon too. Like yes, I mean, like it, a three it, four it, for three is just great value, and like you get the extra thing of like okay, I can kill an artifact if I need to, or enchantment. Yeah, it's These also also when you have a gate of the afterlife in play, you can sack it to you know gain a life as well as loot, and hopefully get that sixth creature in your bin so you can go get Godfarer's gift and do all of those things. All right, so um, on, so on. So if you pay the one sacrifice your guy to target your own destruction that goes to the yard to tri- to basically count towards your count so you're saying if i activate thrashing brontodon targeting my own gate to the afterlife correct you could do that yeah because the trigger will go on the stack above it and you could loot and then if you have six creatures in your graveyard you could then in response to brontodon sacrifice it yes sweet i wouldn't do that but you could uh, the, the deck at the very bottom of the uh, 5-0 lists by milliken has me really like excited it is a Boros mid-range deck, essentially. I say mid-range, but it's playing Bomac Couriers and Kenras. It's like a red-white aggro deck, except it's playing History of Benalia, Path of Metal, and Lyra's in the main, uh, which has me all sorts of excited. And then the sideboard has a, has a couple Shalai and Fragmentize and Castouts as other additional interaction. Um, 
this deck really surprised me when I was scrolling through these deck lists before the show, before we started recording. And I was just like, this has everything I could ever want. Yeah, so kind of a nice little takeaway from this. There's really, you can come at standard however you want to right now. Yeah, There's a storm deck in standard. Yeah, like, what? That's crazy kind of thing. So, yeah, you're going to have to have a plan for the red-black aggro deck. Mono red is still around. Hazard is still a card. Walking Ballista is still a card. Everyone who can play Walking Ballista is playing Walking Ballista. And funnily enough, we've seen Karn drop off a little bit. I mean, also his prices dropped a little bit. Last I checked, he was like $50 instead of 65 Yeah, he's still expensive, but... I agree. It, it, at his peak, he was almost 70 and now he's back down to a reasonable 61 Hmm. Yeah. Quote, reasonable. Say, yeah, yeah. Heavy on the air quotes, reasonable. Uh, it's so, more yeah, so of... A, yeah. yeah, it's more of a situation where deal with the it's kind of almost modernish in a way where you have the decks you know are going to be good right now and you have to plan for those have to have a at least a little bit of a sideboard plan for the big decks you can't really hope to avoid them in a tournament of this size you're not it's probably a field of what like 500 to 600 players at most uh, I think it's closer to like going to be around three. Oh, three to four hundred. Oh, it's a smaller one. Okay. So I don't know f- how many people. I don't know how many people are qualified. Uh, you actually sent me a tweet earlier. Hold on. Oh, right, that one. I'm looking it up. Yeah, I meant to bring that one up too. Five hundred and one people qualified for the Pro Tour. That is not how many people are playing it. That's how Correct. many people qualified. Five hundred people. Five hundred one so. qualified. So like, it's going to be maybe around. Let's call it four hundred. Let's say 450. I'll get I'll get 51 people. That, oh, no, no, they don't no, make their no, no, no. I'm calling I'm calling 400 for easy numbers. <laughs> sure, 400 for easy numbers. That's 400, 400 for easy numbers. There's four big decks. The odds of you hitting those decks are probably gonna be about what 70 percent. You'd think 75 percent. So maybe I would maybe I would say about that. Usually yeah. the breakdown is those big four decks usually take up about 75 percent of the field. Usually when you look at a, a PT breakdown for that kind of thing. There'd be about a there'd be a good chunk of people who are going to bring their own like kind of little bruiser. You might get like the four or five people playing this. A testing team discovered this deck. Maybe two teams are playing this deck, but it's still going to add like a hundred or so people. So you got to have a plan for maybe like seventy percent of the field. You're not going to avoid it. It's not like modern. So no. you got to plan for that kind of thing because looking at the metagame on this, about a good twenty to thirty percent of the online standard metagame will actually. Eh, closer to probably yeah, about thirty percent is those big four. Yeah. With, you know, blue black mid range coming close behind two and mono green stompy adding to about forty percent. So like and that's and a- that's the online meta with the pulls from this. Pro tours are a very inbred kind of meta anyway, from what we've talked about way in the past, where you have testing teams that are gonna like, you know, gang up and figure out what the best deck to play is and they share results sometimes amongst themselves. So you're going to see a lot of the same kind of things. That said, yeah. I'm excited to see if somebody brings something fun and exciting. We are the, it's kind of weird having the pro tour later in the cycle. This is like what the third one that we've had. Uh, yeah. Uh, both the Ixalan ones and this one. So the third one we have later quote unquote in the release cycle where it used to be like the week or two after your, uh, it was about a month. I would say about yeah, it's about a month now, but I'm saying like the, the, ones back in the day used to be about two weeks after the set release or like a week or so after the set release so you never had like the pro tours would establish the meta where this is 
seeing what is good in the current meta available, what the pros say, okay, this is what I've deemed as good against the field. And, and of course, we don't, only, we don't even really, we don't even really, yeah, the last one was a modern pro tour, so we don't even have like data necessarily on that either. Yeah, and then you also have to consider the fact that when you look at how people look at the pro tour, the pro tour is going to shape the meta regardless whether you like it or not. Uh, it's one of the big things that I've been having discussions about because um, due to the fact that this weekend is the pro tour, next weekend is the first round of RPTQs for the team tournament. Oh. and. Yeah, so I'm really happy that we're not playing next weekend as opposed to the weekend as opposed to playing the uh, June 24th when we are going to be playing because I don't want to have to decide in a week what my, what our decks are because the Pro Tour is going to change everyone's perceptions. Right, so you guys opted for the later one, right? People are traveling for things and people are attending weddings and so we don't want to make somebody come, you know, effectively, you know, halfway across the country, quote unquote. So a funny... A funny side note on this with the RPTQs is that, hey, it's teams. There's a lot of people when you have to cram like 30 teams of three players a piece in there to these RPTQs. Apparently, there have been sellouts happening that people have not been anticipating. And the announcements that have player caps and team caps on these are being announced by, hey, we're sold out. We had 50 people sign up. And everyone's like, whoa, wait, where was this 50, 50 team announcement made? It's like an after the fact kind of thing. Some people are like, oh yeah, this one's like got this large event. These tournament organizers for these RPTQs have to rent out space. And it's unfortunately that people are charging RPTQs as well as on top of potentially selling out. So yeah, that's weird. I don't know. I don't know if there's a better system that that we can come up with. I'm not a huge problem solver. Well, I am, but not in this regard because I know why wizards allowed stores to charge entry for the rptqs how and that venues are only so large but yeah it's it's it, not ideal it, it's just kind of a simple thing and be like to host thing to be, host an rptq you must be able to show that you can have an event venue of x size to host y number of players and potentially let me, let me charge at a max z cost let me put it this way. The one that we're going to, I called uh, earlier last week or late last week about how many people, how many teams they expected to have a cap for because they didn't have the firm number in front of in, in front of them because they hadn't figured it out yet. And the person I talked to said that they were putting a cap at 60 or they were looking at a cap at 60 teams, which is 180 people. That's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. Uh, so you have to then look at it and say, is 60 teams too many? Is 60 teams the right number? Also, to consider the fact that for a lot of these RPTQs, the uh, the entry fee is $75, which is going to be 25 split up among the, the among the three team among the three teammates. So that makes it a little better. I'm not sure. It's it's a weird convoluted situation. It is that not ideal. It's not ideal, but it's probably not a situation we'll see again for a a while until okay. the next time they have to do team. Uh, PTs, and hopefully at that time they've learned their lesson from this. But one can only hope. So one thing that kind of goes part and parcel right now these days with the Pro Tours is the team series. And thanks to a lovely Rich Hagen article, he's outlined the top eight teams for us, and they are from first to eighth right now: Team Ultimate Guard, Team Musashi, Team Genesis, Team Haria Latin, Connected Company. Channel Fireball, Metagame Guru's Sun, and Ultra Pro at 8th place right now. 
The These top are ba- five teams are separated by 10 pro points. That's yeah. very close. Yeah. And funnily enough, like Team Musashi, who was basically in 15th place after the first pro tour of the season, thanks to one of their players, Ken Yukihiro, getting a top eight at PT Rivals, and then a bunch of really well-placed finishes by the rest of their team, they're second now. Like everyone's yeah, it's amazing ev- what everyone's, a consistent record can do for you. Everyone's like, oh no, are they going to be falling off the wagon this year or do they just have a bad pro tour? Turns out they just had a bad pro tour. Or they had a really good one. And we'll Don't see forget how that goes. Misashi was also in the finals of the pro t- of the team series last year. Oh yeah, and the, the other team in the finals is third place right now. Yeah. Sitting seven points behind. So it's like, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but like Rich does an amazing job of outlining, so I'm only going to crib a little bit off of his thing. This is the last Pro Tour for individual stat races necessarily because Pro Tour 25th is a team one like we were just talking about. So the the, uh, the example that he gives is if Owen Turtenwald wants a shot at Player of the Year race, and I don't have the stats for Player of the Year, if one of his teammates is basically from this, each of these six teams are going to break down to three. So for Team Ultimate, Ultimate Guard, you're going to have Andrew Cunio, uh, Reed Duke, and John Fink will probably on a team for that kind of thing to help Ultimate Guard get points. And then you're going to have Huey Jensen, or no, my bad, Huey Jensen, Reed, and Owen, and then Reedsel, Finkel, Cunio. I, I jacked that uh, one up. So I pulled up the uh, list for Player of the Year rankings because it's based off of the top 25 rankings, right? Yeah. Uh, Owen Turnwell currently is sitting at 14th place. Uh, first through five uh, in ascending order is Shoto Yasuoka at fifth. Uh, tied actually with Yuya Watanabe at fifth. They have the same pro points uh, threshold. Teammates. Fourth, fourth, Jerry Thompson. Third, Luis Salvato. Second, Reed Duke. First, Seth Manfield. Okay, so Seth is on Genesis. So basically, teams that um, have representatives in the top four are all there. Um, but he's using Owen. If Owen wants to catch up to save Reed, who's in that top uh, number there, so he has, to do way, it, he has to do it now. So that basically... He has to place high enough to be able to catch Reed and pass Reed now because in the next Pro Tour, they're going to earn the same amount of points because they're both going to be playing on Peach Garden Oath. If the, assuming that they're playing together, which we are assuming that they're playing together. I mean, if, if it's uh, by a the way, Owen has, team events by the way, PGO. Yeah. Owen's threshold or Owen's Pro Points for this season are, is 61.92 because it works off of an algorithm of points you've earned this season and then a decreasing percentage of points from last season. Oh, yeah, the, the decay they in, introduced. Yeah. So Owen's at 61.92. Reed at second place is 86.35. So he basically needs to win. Seth Manfield is at 89.03. Yeah, Owen needs to basically win the Pro Tour to pass Reed and then hope Reed maybe ekes out a couple Pro Points. And for the and for the sake of completeness, Luis Salvato is at 74.11. So it's a huge gap between Reed and Luis. Um, then Jerry Thompson is at 68.33. Again, a pretty big gap between Luis and Jerry. And then Shota and Yuya are both at, 60, are at 67.14. So they're very close to Jerry. So it's kind of like how it usually chunks off of the top. You like the top two or top three, and then like the third, the fourth through sixth. And then it's like everybody else kind of thing. Basically, if Luis wants to get to the top ranking quickly, he needs Seth and Reed, I think, not to make day two of the Pro Tour, which is hmm. possible. I mean, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's like it's a it's a weird set of incentives. However, weird, I don't it, think it's that, an, yeah. an insane set of incentives because they're also trying to fight for individual stats while also trying to fight for their team stats while keeping in mind that they're going to have a smaller section team 
for the next pro tour as well. Yeah. So depending on how your setup goes, you might have to like hope your your friend that you're going to be teaming up with at the next pro tour does crappy in this pro tour, but not crappy enough that your team loses points on it. It's a weird loop, and I think it's interesting. Like, I'm sorry, I'm one of those nerds who loves that kind of thing, where it's like, uh, how do you optimize? for all three or can you even optimize for all three you know by the way uh other third member of pgo huey jensen ninth place 63.96 pro points so you've got reed huey and owen within the top 15 yeah and they're all within striking distance if they spike this pro tour they can easily jump in like the top two uh assuming reed does poorly at no it's reed he's probably he'll, he'll do okay he's probably he's probably gonna be fine <laughs> he'll be he'll be fine he'll be fine but no this is I'm unfortunately going to be working and family's coming into town, so I'm not going to get to watch this live necessarily. I will absolutely be keeping track of it. Uh, I'm super excited for this thing uh, to happen. Also, Rich got to write something for Magic that he's been wanting to do for forever. Um, Apparently, the OI Sports Bureau is now tracking Magic the Gathering stats. Who knew? About time. Because he uh, was breaking down Draftmaster. And to get to break down the 25 year old from Sweden, Elias Watzfeld, who made a pro tour debut at Paris 2011, he breaks down a whole bunch of like percentage stats. Uh, he's currently in the lead right now. He mm-hmm. uh, has a six point, aka a two match lead over the next person, next place person, uh, who is basically Alexander Hain and Craig Wesco, and uh, former uh, third place finisher from PT Rivals, Pascal Vieren. Like, Mm-hmm. He has a two match advantage. Like he can go two and four or four and two, and then everybody else, or no, six. Everyone yeah, he, else among those pods needs to go six and zero. Oh. Yeah, they basically everyone needs to basically perfect their drafts. Also, and then another match went away is like Reed Duke, even Flot, Luis Salvado, PVDDR, Kentaro Yamamoto, Ari Lox, and Andre Mangucci. There's a huge number of people who are close, but he's like a two match lead is insane when it comes to draft magic because they only get six rounds. Also, remember, th- this is more relevant here because the Team Pro Tour has no limited portion. Correct. So this is the decider for Draftmaster for the year, which is awesome. It's going to be sweet. Yeah, and then Constructed Draftmaster has its own interesting race going on at two. Again, re- uh, Rich did a great job on this article for that. But yeah, so breaking down the Pro Tour draft is going to be fun uh, i'm definitely going to try and watch the draft viewers of all the players who are doing it um i know standard is going to be i want to I, i'm curious in standard more of like i haven't played standard a lot lately uh i haven't played it since team or energy was still a thing and keep in mind team or energy was still a deck the last time we had standard or pro tour like it feels yeah. like forever ago but it was literally only two pro tours ago yeah, it's because standard wasn't in the spotlight yeah it was modern but I am really curious just as far as metagame-wise goes. Like, I love looking at metagames. Metagame breakdowns and how decks weave in and out of that, you know, rise to popularity, fall off, kind of make a resurgence, you know, drop down, shift around. I'm excited to see what the overall percentage is. I do fully expect to see variants of, you know, the control deck. We're going to get that red-black aggro, mono-red aggro. Uh, the constrictor decks are still a thing. You'll see some control decks. Um, whether we see not, we see blue black or the blue white. You have the mid range, you have the God Pharaoh's gift, like we talked about. Uh, I'm curious to see what the pros pack 
as their weapon of choice for this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a real interesting pro tour to see how standard shakes out. Because again, standard is kind of wide open still. There's a few big bads, but again, there's a lot of room to go to grow into the standard. Like again, there's a mono blue storm deck with paradoxical outcome in this format right now. I just, I think that's just utterly hilarious. Hat, uh, hats off to Jack of Mattress for, that's the, uh, for that 5-0 deck. That's the, what's it called? Inspiring Statuary, Aetherflux Reservoir. With uh, Mox Opals? Uh, Ambers, you mean, yes. Mox Ambers, yeah. With huh. no ways of no ways of making mana in, in main deck games. Oh, here it is. I found it. Yeah. Ornithopters, cop- Glintness Crane... No ways of making mana with their with their Mox Ambers in game one. How does this win? Uh, by playing Aetherflux Reservoir. Oh, right. There it is. <laughs> Just shoot him out of the sky. That's cool. Yep. Deal 50 to your face. Dude, it's got Zalfir and Void in it. What? Yeah, you don't need colors. <laughs> We're going, we don't need colors. <laughs> We're going Brown Town with 18 lands. Good lord. Yeah. And 13 islands. And an Inventor's Fair. Because it makes sense. Wait. Anyways. Wait. Does that de- what that deck can't even tap mana with Mox Amber? It's literally there for storm count, isn't it's it? What I said. <laughs> it's there to draw cards off paradoxical outcome and be a free spell to cast for a reservoir. Wow, that's fantastic. That's bananas. Yeah, it's, this this is going to be an interesting pro tour for sure. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, oh, and- speaking of though, before before going to closing, uh, yeah. hashtag. Team Team Numont. Oh yeah, hashtag Team Nummy. Uh, Kenji finally made his first Pro Tour. He won a uh, PTQ on Magic Online, and he's going as a competitor for the first time. Uh, and so, big ups to Kenji. It took him a long time to get to this point, but he's there. He's in the dance, and I think all of Twitch chat is going to be rooting for him. And if he doesn't get like at least one future match uh, on Friday, then I think Wizards messed up. Also, uh, of note to bring up, Autumn and Jess are going to be there. They won um, Moto Qualifier for Autumn Lily, and then yes. Jess Stefan won the GP. Yes. Uh, no, that was a Team GP, wasn't it? Well, that it qualifies GP. for the Team Pro Tour. Oh, the Team Pro Tour, right. Oh, right. So she no, won't be at this one. Autumn, Autumn's there, right? I saw Autumn Autumn's definitely at this one. Yeah, Autumn, but... I saw Autumn tweet about that, uh, submitting the deck lists, which, by the way, are now 20 minutes late. Huh. Sorry, guys. Anyways, it doesn't matter to me because I'm not on the Pro Tour. Likewise. Anyways, Ian, if people wanted to find you on the social medias, where can they do so? You guys can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. And you guys can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. Again, I'm moving. Life's crazy. Life's hectic. I will most likely not be streaming until maybe the week before I move out at the end of June. I just have way too much packing and prepping of gear to get shipped out when the movers come. So, yeah, look for that in the future. That'd be great. John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That's J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. I'm also on Twitch at the same handle. So if you see me in a chat room, don't hesitate to say hi. Uh, I still haven't heard back from Wizards about why my Magic Online is not working. Uh, but I will probably send them another strongly worded email tomorrow. Uh, also, life's been real hectic for me too. It's been uh, it's been interesting to say the least. Life's a thing, man. Light. Why does life have to get in the way of magic? I don't understand it. I mean, conversely, we can't play magic without life and paycheck, but it's weird. 
It's, it's that it. cyclical thing. It's it's the circle of life. The circle of no money. Um, <laughs> if you want to reach the podcast, you can do so in two ways. You can hit us direct, hit us up directly on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize, or if you have a, a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at Eyes and the Mize at gmail.com. We would love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Mm-hmm.